Sabbath. Oh, can we do that just a little bit more to make me feel comfortable? Good morning and happy Sabbath. Yes, that is much better. Thank you for calming my anxiety and nerves right now. But it is good to be in the house of God this morning, and I just want to say that it is a privilege to stand before God's people. I don't take it lightly, and I know many people have been praying, so my prayer this morning is that you will hear the voice of God in the very place that you find yourself in your life. And that he will speak in the same way that I feel that he has spoken to me. So if we can just bow our heads one more time. How great you are, Jehovah, Jesus, the lion, the lamb, the shepherd, the lily of the valley. We are here to worship you, God. You have heard the songs that were amazing. You have heard the prayer that I know has put a smile on your face. And so now, God, we just ask you to sit back and speak. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. So this morning, we are going to be looking at the book of Rome, uh, Romans. Chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. So if you have your Bibles, if you have your devices, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I am reading from the New Living Translation. So I hope that uh, you guys can follow along just as well. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And the Word of God says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters... In view of God's mercy, to offer, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern. Let me say that again. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. There's a story about President Calvin Coolidge, and the story goes that Coolidge had welcomed some some friends from his hometown to dinner to the White House. The people had never attended such a formal dinner, and they were unsure of the etiquette, and so they decided to imitate the president at the dinner table. When coffee was served, they watched as the president poured his coffee into a saucer. So they did the same thing. Then the president poured some milk and sugar into the saucer, so they did it as well. They assumed that the president would sip the coffee from the saucer, but instead he leaned over, put the saucer on the floor, and called his cat. 
So if you're going to pattern yourself, if you're going to pattern yourself after anyone, make sure you understand their motives and intentions. I like patterns. I'm a pattern girl. I love the repetition. The, the, it's soothing to me when I'm a little bit anxious. You see, patterns help me learn how to do things more quick more quickly it's this repetitive action that that is recorded in my mind and so there comes a point when i start doing that action that i've learned that i can do it without a lot of thought patterns they help me calm my nerves when i'm out of control which is sometimes why i try to memorize scripture so that when i'm feeling anxious when i'm feeling overwhelmed i repeat the words of god and they take the focus from myself and my situation and they put it back on God. Patterns. They're good for teaching children to walk and to talk. They watch, they listen, and then they repeat what they've seen and, or what they've heard. Patterns help meteorologists figure out when is that next hurricane coming, when is that next tornado. Patterns. They help in medicine when, when trying to, to figure out a disease or foresee a disease or a sickness. Patterns are everywhere. Math, science, nature. And these patterns, if you're anything like me, provide a sense of, of order, a sense of stability in life. But here in that lies the tension with patterns. You see, though patterns can help to know what to expect, patterns are also perilous. Patterns also have a way, listen to this, patterns have a way of normalizing the unacceptable. Patterns have been with us, it feels like, since humanity began. God created in patterns. He created animals, and he put stripes on them and colors on them. He created the skies, and there were stars put out into the air. He designed animals in such, in such a way that some of them had really bright colors, and others had muted colors. And as God created these patterns, he said they were good. And then when you get to Genesis 1.27... God creates human beings, and for the first time in the Bible, we see this word pattern. It's actually the word image. But in the Hebrew, it's not the greatest translation for English. You see, it's more like shadow. Now, we don't look like our shadow, but our shadow does everything that we do, right? And so our shadow is an exact replica, a mirror image of who and what we are. We don't look like it, but we behave like that. So we were created in God's image or in his shadow. We were intended to do and live as God lived. He was our pattern. However, we all know this story, and if you don't know this story, is that sin came into the world through our parents, Adam and Eve. And humanity loses sight 
of the pattern that they are to follow. And over time, as after sin, over time, humanity begins to do DIY gods. Do-it-yourself gods. See, we all think that DIY started just recently, but it actually happened a long time ago. And so humanity begins to form and create little gods out of wood, out of stone, out of things that they could hold and touch. One of the craziest uh, idols that they made, gods that they made, was the golden calf. You guys remember that at the bottom of Sinai? Moses is just gone for 40 days and the people of Israel can't handle it. They, they want a pattern and so they take off all their jewelry and ask Aaron to make them a calf. But then as I read the Bible more and more, I kind of get where, why we were, they, people were making gods in their own image. I'm in my Bible study group, I have been, we've been in the book of, of Kings 1 and 2. And there is a pattern happening in those books. There are kings who start off okay. They start off good, actually. And then somewhere along the line, they begin to form patterns around that they've learned from their environment. And they bring those patterns, they bring these ideas into the, into the culture of the people, and Israel begins to learn how to worship other gods. But when it gets really, really crazy is when God's people are not only worshiping their little gods, but they're worshiping him at the same time, and God loses it. If you don't believe me, if I, I, wanted, I want you to look, listen to me as I read from Amos chapter 5, verses 1 to 27. This is God speaking, and he says, I can't stand your religious meetings. I'm fed up with your conferences and your conventions. I want nothing to do with your religious projects, your pretentious slogans, and your goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations and image making. I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music. When was the last time you sang me a song? God is not happy because his people are following patterns that they have learned from the outside world. The people of Israel were following a, a pattern of church, meaning they were showing up to service, they were repeating the motions, of worship, but their heart was somewhere else. The people came to church dressed nicely. They brought their tithes and offerings. They lifted their hands in worship. They were following patterns that they had been grown accustomed to. And so God realizes, oh my gosh, my people are just lost and they're never going to get it together. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send them another pattern and he sends us jesus the perfect replica 
of the character of God. And so Jesus shows up into the world, and, and his, he has a very different pattern from what is happening in the world, right? The, actually, his patterns are so offensive to the religious community that they kill him for it. Patterns. Patterns. They're, sometimes they're your friends, and sometimes they are your enemy. However, people were transformed by this experience with Jesus and the resurrection. After his resurrection, this movement started. It was all these individual people who, want, who were convicted by this pattern of Jesus. And this gospel begins to migrate. You see, the gospel had been given to the Jews. And the more the Jews rejected it, the more the Gentiles wanted it. They wanted to know this Jesus. And, and what we have to, what I want you to remember as we, as we talk about this is, is that there was a relationship between Jews and Gentiles that ran deep. There was some deep animosity and hatred between these two groups. And it is the Gentiles who are coming to the gospel by the thousands. By the thousands. Can you imagine that? Our church right now and people from the community coming in. Come on, let's see how we would feel with people who wouldn't talk like us, who don't know Adventist language, who don't dress like us, who would have an issue with the way they worship. This is what Jewish, the Jewish community is feeling. There is, there is all this worldly thing coming in, different patterns. Different cultures, different ethnicities, different religions. And this fusion of people is causing some problems. See, some of them spoke in tongues. Mm. They raised their hands in worship. And Jews were like, what? I, I don't understand what you're saying. What are you doing? No, no, you got to sit down. Sit down, be quiet. There's no call and response here. Some thought that church should start at 9.30. Gentiles, what? What's so special about 9.30? Well, we've always done it that way, you know. We, I don't know where it started, but that's what we've done, so that's what we do. They're like, we can't do 10 o'clock. A little better? Others felt that women could lead in church groups, and others were adamantly against it. Hmm. Hmm. Women could lead in church groups. Some felt they could, and others were adamantly against it. Patterns. Patterns, church family. Patterns. There are patterns in our life that we have learned and cultivated. We don't understand why we do it. We just know we were taught to do it. And we bring it with us when we come to church. Some wanted a traditional service. Others wanted a contemporary vibe. And we all know drums have always been an issue, even since back then. But my point is, my point is, church family, is that over time, people had learned and had been taught behaviors and patterns that were normal to them. They didn't know anything different and therefore brought those ideas and understandings to this Jesus movement, and that was a problem. Early on um, in our marriage, uh, I'm not going to lie, my husband and I fought a lot. Mm. 
And it didn't have to do with just because <laughs> we were older <laughs> when we got married. I mean, marriage is hard. And so throw that in there. But we fought a lot. And, and, and for the most part, though, it wasn't really the, you know, the, it wasn't really the problem was not the issue that we, the problem wasn't that we didn't understand each other. The problem was that we had both been raised in very different homes. And so I, over time, we started to talk about how we were raised. Well, how did your parents fight? Well, how did your parents resolve conflict? Well, what did you do when you were mad? And we quickly started to realize that those we were fighting in the very same way, we were communicating in the very same way that we had learned in our homes. And so here we are in this place of of starting to figure out that there are some patterns, there is some baggage, there are some customs that we had brought into our relationship, not really understanding that it would be a problem until we got together and then we decided we don't want that baggage. And so we decided to start to see a therapist. And praise the Lord for my therapist. She has helped us tremendously. And so these behaviors, these unlearned, these learned behaviors, we decided we wanted to unlearn them. What Paul was writing to the church of the Romans, to the Jews and Gentiles, was radical. They'd never heard anything like that before. You see, the Jews had been following patterns for thousands of years. And now Jesus had come and he said, all those patterns, gone. I got you. I'm going to take care of you. I died for your sins. The only pattern you need to follow is me. For thousands of years, they had been following a very specific pattern. And the, and the Gentiles themselves were like, hey, this is great. Everything you guys have been trying to tell me to do, get circumcised and stop eating my meat and stop acting this way and talking this way. I don't need to do that because Jesus, because of Jesus. And so, brother, and so now Paul is saying, these people, these, these Gentiles, you, the Jews and the Gentiles are now brothers and sisters. See, the problem with patterns, church, is that they can keep us from growing. Patterns keep us from seeing beyond the four walls that we create for ourselves. See, and I get it. Listen, I'm a habit, I'm a creature of habit. I like my little box. It's comfortable. I know what to expect. It's, it's, I don't have to give too much thought to what I'm doing. Therefore, when new patterns start coming in, and they don't look like I think they need to look like, and they don't fit in my little neat box, I dismiss it. Jesus didn't fit in the mold that people had expected in the Messiah. Jesus didn't act like the kings that they knew. Jesus didn't even react to sin the way the religious leaders had reacted to sin. Jesus was not the pattern people expected. And so when he was on earth, people missed it. And not because he didn't try to show that he was the Messiah. When we put God in a box and think that he cannot act outside of the box, 
or dismiss him when he doesn't act in the way that we should think, there is a problem with our pattern. And, we're, and here's the thing. Here's the thing, church family. We miss God when we put him in a box. We miss what God is wanting to do when we decide that the pattern that God is using is not the pattern that fits the, what I want. You see, I love the way Isaiah 43, 15 through 19 says, he says, I am the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, creator and king. I am the Lord who opened through the waters, making dry path through the sea. It, God is ta- Isaiah is talking about how when God went ahead and, and brought the people out of Egypt, he's reminding his, uh, Israel right now, I brought you out of Egypt. I did all these fantastic things, but I want you to forget all of that. You see, it's nothing compared to what I'm going to do for you right now. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. See, right now our world is in a time where it can feel as though God is not present. Some of us are struggling with COVID and this Delta variant with the mask and no mask and a vaccine and no vaccine and governors recalled and conference presidents and God is doing something new in his church family. Church may not look like we thought it was going to look for the rest of our life, but let us not be let us not forget that God is a God of patterns and up to this point his patterns have always taken his church forward. Are we wanting to follow God's patterns or are we wanting to stay in our own little box. This is, this is the question we have to ask ourselves sometimes when things do, don't look as though they, we, they need to look as we expect. Now, I'm not, I'm not dismissing the challenges we face at all, but I have to go back to the Word of God when I feel that, that what is happening doesn't correspond to what needs to happen. The problem with patterns is that they keep us from seeing beyond the problems we face. And so Paul does this really crazy thing, trying to to help these brothers and sisters, Jew and Gentile, understand that he is doing something new. And he says, offer, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. But I want to focus on this word offer for one moment here. Um, When animals were sacrificed according to God's law, it would be a priest that would take the animal, kill the animal, cut it into, into pieces, and put it on the altar. It was the job of the priest to represent the people of God. And being a priest was only given to those who were born out of this line. They were Levites, out of the line of Aaron. So if you weren't born into this group, you couldn't be a priest. Young people, I, 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 want, I, want to, I want you to listen to me for one moment. There are going to be times in your life where people are going to tell you that you're not going to amount to anything. That you're not going to do anything significant with your life. They're going to tell you that you don't belong in there. And yes, it's even going to be church people that are going to do that. I attended Adventist education all years except... 
first through fourth and uh, two years in community college. And I love Adventist education because it changed the trajectory of my life. I mean, Adventist education brought me great friends. It exposed me to things I, I would have never been exposed to. But in high school and in college, there were two adults, two adults who should have been on my side, but both of them said to me in different ways, you're not going to be anything. Now, I'm not, you know, I, I was a little, I, I, I didn't really know how to take that at, you know, 16 and 17 years old and at 19, I, I wasn't sure. But they said, you're not going to be anything ex- except a fast food worker. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those jobs. Any job that you put your heart into and you work is great. But these women, in their mind, had decided that I was not born into the right family. They had decided I wasn't born into the right country. They had decided that my last name wasn't the right name. They had decided that my intelligence wasn't what it should be. See, I I wasn't born with the right uh, abilities to excel and to achieve. And I want you to listen to me, young people. Thank you. You need to tell Jesus, I thank you for picking me up when somebody else threw me away. You see, I'm, I'm grateful to a Jesus who called me to the priesthood. I'm grateful to a Jesus who doesn't care what my grades look like, but you got to study. I'm grateful for a Jesus who calls me by my name. I'm grateful for a Jesus who told me that I could be anything I want to be because I am made in his image. And I'm grateful to a Jesus who allows me to serve alongside of him. Young people, expect to be pushed down But remember that you can get back up, not because of what anyone else says, but it's because of what Jesus says you are. You are made in his image, in his likeness. And so what Paul is doing right here, he's calling these Jews and Gentiles a priest. He's saying, you're a priest, you're a priest, you're a priest. He's handing out priesthood like Oprah Winfrey handed out free cars. He's saying to them, you are a chosen race. Imagine, imagine, you got to imagine these words go over our head. Somebody who was considered the lowest of lows is now being called a priest. He's being called, that person is being, is being called a holy nation, a possession of, of God's. And they are also priests unto God. Don't let the patterns, the patterns that you put in your head that the world is talking about, be your guide. It's funny to me how um, I'm not on social media at all, um, but I mean, I'm aware enough what, that it exists. And so you, I'm, I'm fascinated by YouTube and Instagram and TikTok, and, and I, I Googled some of these challenges that I'd heard about, and I just thought, oh my gosh, whoever thought these were great ideas? But they do. People follow a crate. Like, what is it? The crate challenge? Is that the one where you put all these milk crates and you climb to the top? Well, they deemed it unsafe. But millions of people were doing it. Patterns, people. Patterns. We follow what the world puts out. There was this other challenge that I thought was crazy. The pass-out challenge. Where young people actually, and adults, and adults, actually 
make themselves pass out to see how long they, 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 they can, how long it's going to take them. And social media, the culture of the world thinks this is what we need to be doing. And people follow along because other people are doing it. Patterns. Patterns, church family. And what's even crazier about these, these challenges or just social media and, and the mindset of people is that at some point, you hear an, an influencer or someone on TikTok or someone on YouTube saying, hey, I've been a little depressed. That's why you don't see my stuff out there anymore. Now, you've been following somebody who's probably been depressed or anxious or feeling like they really don't deserve anything, and that's what we're mirroring. Do you understand that, church family? And we do it because everybody else is doing it. Without thinking, we are taking on these patterns. And so Paul says, you guys are now priests, but also, also, I want you to live as a living sacrifice. And you're like, what? What's a living sacrifice? When the ancient people brought their sacrifices to the priests, it had to be an offering that didn't have any kind of blemish on it. It had to be perfect. Paul wasn't talking about um, the the Jews and the Gentiles being perfect, um, but he wanted to remind them that Jesus had taken care of the sin problem and that God wanted, what God was looking for was not an exterior change. He was looking for an interior change. It was about bringing the entire self to God and being in a relationship with him. You see, this morning, church family, God doesn't want just a piece of us. He wants all of us. He wants body, mind, and soul. He doesn't want just... We compartmentalize our lives where we have a work life and a church life and a party life and my girlfriend life and my married life. And each one of those personalities, each one of those categories has its own personality. And God's like, no, I want all of you. I want all of you. I want that intimacy with you. And here's the thing with with giving everything to God. Sometimes we decide that we want to give him what we think he wants. We're like, no, not this piece, God. I want to give you this piece. But here's the problem. This is where our challenge comes with uh, being living sacrifices. The main problem uh, with being a living sacrifice is is that we want to keep crawling off the altar. We don't want to stay on the altar. And I get it. It's hard to break certain patterns because we know what to expect and what kind of security it brings to our life. It's the reason, it's the reason that we want to stay in our patterns. But the problem with patterns is they normalize unacceptable behavior. It's the reason why we're okay with men using misogynistic language and then turn around and talk it and talk about it like it's oh it's just locker room talk. It's the reason that we we can say that our many of our leaders can say we will not forgive and we will not forget. When America has been attacked. Listen, I'm not condoning that behavior at all, but we've been called to a different standard. We've been called to follow a different pattern. We've been called to love our enemies. We've been actually called to bless those who curse us. 
to do good to those who hate us. If your enemy's hungry, you feed them. If they're thirsty, you give them something to drink. And the Bible says, don't repay evil with evil, insult with insult. On the contrary, when someone is evil, give them a blessing. Being a living sacrifice, that is what we are called. That is the new pattern that God is calling us to. A friend of mine shared a story with me um, a few months ago. He's a Mexican cowboy, and he has really deep ties to his culture. And he told me how when he was learning to kill a goat or a lamb in order for his family to eat, that it was interesting to him how the goat would fight. It naturally would want to fight and not be un- in the position that, that the animal was, was placed in. And then he juxtaposed it with the lamb. He said, the lamb literally let us do whatever we wanted with it. The lamb understood that its owner was going to Whatever he needed to do, he or she needed to do, it would just submit to its owner. Church family, God is calling us, I believe, in these times to follow a different pattern. He's He's calling us to be like that lamb where we submit to him and to his will. And we are in challenging times as a church, as a global church, in the way we view the world. And I want, to, I want to believe that if I just submit to God, he can work through me to bring some peace and accord into this world and within our own churches. I am calling you this morning to look and be reflective this morning throughout the day, throughout this week, about what patterns you're following today what 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 patterns do you need to let go of what patterns do i need to let go of i have a list and sometimes it just gets overwhelming quite honestly but i'm okay with it because i know that god can work through me if i submit You see, in submitting, this is the beauty of the text in my mind, is that in submitting and being these living sacrifices where people see God, um, where they see God's character clearly, you, we, understand God's perfect will. How many of us want to know God's will? Many, all of us should want to know his will. And the way we're going to understand his will is to be living sacrifices. And living sacrifices don't conform to the patterns of the world. Your mind is transformed. Your, the way you talk is transformed. What we put out on social media is transformed. What we take in no longer is what the world is putting out, but we're actually taking in the word and not the world. Church family... I just, again, want us to just be challenged. I want us to be challenged in the patterns that we follow, who we listen to, what we read. Because God is saying, I want to fill you with my spirit. 
The more stuff we put out of ourselves, the more that we say, I'm not going to be a part of that behavior, I'm not going to be a part of that kind of thinking, the more God it can be poured into our hearts and change the patterns that we are currently having to challenge and work through. I know that this morning's sermon hasn't been a lot of like warm fuzzies. <laughs> but you know what, church family? Sometimes we need a reminder that this world is not our home. That the character that we are developing here today is going to impact the outcome of the kingdom. And it's not just about us. There is an entire community. There is a world out there that wants to know Jesus. And the only way they're going to know Jesus is if he's in each and every one of us. I want to ask you to just bow your heads with me. Father God, it's been a little challenging to talk about patterns because we're surrounded by patterns in the world that say this is what you should do. This is how you need to be. This is what you need to look like. And sometimes, Lord, when we don't fit all those categories, we feel like we're not enough. But this morning, I, I, I want us to be reminded that God, you are the pattern that we want to be in the shadow of. We want to reflect who you are. We want to be who you are. We want to just take in as much as we can because there's a world out there that is completely countercultural to what you offer. Lord, I pray that you would give us the fortitude, that you would give us the, the, the strength to leave old patterns behind and to move in the direction towards you. We thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness and your grace because that never runs out, even when we're constantly falling. But I know, God, that um, you want a whole people. You don't want parts of us. You want a whole. And so this morning, we just give you the whole, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We just give it to you. And we just ask you to help us make this journey towards being more like you. We thank you for your word, Lord, and we thank you for just worshiping with us in this place. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen.